like forever? Like, do I just keep coming forever? When do I get, when do I get quote unquote better? Hi, I'm Esther Boykin. And I'm Erica Turner. We're licensed marriage and family therapists. And together we run Therapy is Not a Dirty Word, a collection of workshops, retreats, happy hours, and other awesome ways, like this podcast, to bring people and therapists together in real life. With that being said, here's the podcast. Okay, Max. That's good. It's us laughing at Max. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, let's, I want to just jump right in and let's talk about. Yes. How long is this going to take? <laughs> <laughs> how long are we going to do this? Like, yeah. Forever? Right. Or, like, how many weeks do I need to black out? Uh, oh, clients, clients. Yes. Yeah, so this is a question we get a lot as therapists and To be fair, it is a totally fair question. Yes. Anybody going to the doctor, unless you're my husband, will ask, (laughs) how long do I need to take this medication? How long do I need to stay off this leg? Like, Yeah, like what's the timeline for healing? Exactly. Legitimate question. I mean, honestly, all the questions you might want to ask your current or potential future therapist are legit. Yeah. But this is a question that... No, like there's not an easy answer. And sometimes I have feelings about how quickly we want therapy to be done. Yeah. And I say that as somebody who also wants her own therapy to be over quickly. <laughs> so so <laughs> I get it. Do it forever, for endless, yeah. always? No, yeah. Like I, I too want to be done in three sessions. And yet here we are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think what's tricky about the how long is it going to take question is often when people are asking therapists that question, A, we don't have enough information to to answer it reasonably. Typically when I'm being asked that question, it's earlier in the work. Yeah. And sometimes before we've started. Sometimes before we've started. (laughs) And I typically don't have enough data to even make a a really educated guess guess about it. I can talk about and I do like sort of like past clients I've worked with with similar issues, like the time frame for that. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna, I'm probably gonna tell you some time frame that's like six months to a year or or more. Or more. <laughs> well, Esther does a lot of trauma, so <laughs> sometimes it's really long. Yeah. Often it's really long. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's no therapist likes to, I know I don't like mm-hmm. to answer that question. Cause I feel like I'm just going to disappoint you. There's, there's nothing I can say that isn't going to be disappointing. Yeah, there isn't. Well, I was going to say, and I think, and because wait, we know as therapists on the front end is that therapy also changes over time, mm-hmm. right? Like your experience in the first, you know, two, three, four, five sessions is very different if we're at month five or six or right year two, mm-hmm. which I think also I always hesitate to say, because mm-hmm. I think when I tell people like I have clients I've seen for years, yes, multiple, multiple years, years. And it makes sense. And the therapy has been effective. And they would say that they have like grown and healed and like, there's lots of progress, but I think that that can feel scary. And also like forever, like, do I just keep coming forever? When do I get, when do I get quote unquote better? Right, 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 right. I feel like that's the underlying question, right? When am I going to be better? When am I going to be better? Exactly. And I think that the issue with that is like, you've been in these patterns and in these problems, whether that's as a couple or a family or like on your own, in your own head, like typically by the time people have gotten to our doorstep, they've had these problems for years, sometimes decades. Sometimes your whole entire life. Sometimes your whole entire life. And the human brain is not built to turn on a dime like that, to just be like, oh, I'm just going to undo all of these things that I've been doing for so long that were helpful to me at some point. At some earlier stage in my life, this is how I survived or this is what I needed, right? And now I'm just going to like give all that up 
for right. this new stuff this chick I just met is trying to sell <laughs> me. <laughs> Right. I'm going to throw all my security blankets off and just like go with this stuff. Yeah. Like this thing that you're saying where I'm all like naked and vulnerable, that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, we need to ease into that. Right. Real slow. I mean, not always super slow, but I think it gets into the nuances of, well, what, what are you working on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and how much insight do you have about it to begin with? Yeah. That's another piece because sometimes just having that, understanding around what you're working on. Like you could spend six months or a year just trying to really get that piece of it before you get to a place where like any sort of tools or efforts are actually going to be effective or useful to you. Yeah. And I think that is much, much of what we are going to talk about in this episode is going to be (laughs) disappointing. And yet I hope we get to the end and everyone's like, all right, I'll try. I'll try some therapy. I'll stick it. Stick it out. In this first few minutes here, (laughs) basically we're saying like, you need a therapist who you're going to meet with preferably weekly for years. Yes. That's, that's for an indeterminate length of time. Right. Right. But Preferably years. Preferably years. <laughs> Preferably years. So yeah, that's nobody's. That's it. Nobody's ever happy to hear that. No one is I, ever I happy. Blame to hear them. That. I'm not happy to hear it either. No, I just that's the way. Like, if you had a debilitating illness for years, you're not going to undo all of that, right? In a few weeks. No, or probably a few months. Yes. That's not that's not that likely. Works. You'd need like, you know, you'd have to heal from whatever the illnesses. You'd probably have to do like physical therapy to regain like use of yeah. whatever limbs you weren't using because of your debilitating illness and like and other like body systems and like all these other Yeah. So then those have to also be healed, even though technically they weren't they're not the root cause. Like and that's a lot of what to me therapy is about is there's a thing that probably brings you in. Maybe it's that you have some sense of what the root issue is. Oftentimes that's not it. Oftentimes it's like one area of your life has become intolerable mm-hmm. for some set of reasons mm-hmm. and you want to fix that. And you come in and as we start to kind of unpack what's happening there, it's like, oh, well, do we realize that that thing that's happening here? in, I don't know, your friendships is also happening in your marriage is also showing up in your work also shows up in the way you take care of yourself and all basically ties back to something that maybe happened to you in your childhood or to your relationship with your parents and, and their relationship to their parents. And, you know, and it's not that you necessarily have to like go all the way back because I think that's a conversation to be had too about like the depth of work you want to do, but you got to go back a ways Mm -hmm. if you really want lasting change. Right. And that takes time. Exactly. And effort. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, yeah, that's, it's not again with all sort of respect that like it is hard and it is effort and you are, you are asking a lot from yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. therapy is a very vulnerable process. Um, It's not always fun. No. I I mean, it can be fun sometimes. It has fun moments. It has fun moments. I mean, it's fun for us a lot of the time. Yeah, like it's mostly fun for us as therapists. I don't know. On the other side, sometimes it is. You know what? It's rewarding. Yeah. I feel like that's a more accurate like, statement. It's, it's got to be like raising children. There's probably more fun in raising children, though. I would hope there's more fun Hopefully. in Hopefully. Let me think about this. And going through therapy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're like tiny and they're cute. You can dress them up. You can take them to do things yeah, and like, Halloween you know. Costumes. Yeah, there's probably more fun in parenting than therapy. Yeah. A but little. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of work, though, right? Like, it's, and it's very rewarding. And it's very rewarding. I think the upside with therapy is that the rewards are are more easy. Uh, I was going to say more easily defined. The rewards are much more about you than they are about like hmm. anybody else. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah, and you, it's cheaper. It is therapy is not cheap. It is cheaper than children. It is cheaper than children. So that's what we're going to call this episode. <laughs> therapy, therapy cheaper, cheaper than, than children. children. <laughs> 
It is, but also takes just yeah. as long. Not quite as hard as raising children. Somewhat as much yeah. rewarding. There you go. So, so for anyone listening who was debating kids or therapy, we have at least sold you on therapy. Definitely therapy over kids. If those are the two paths you have, that you haven't. I'm not sure right why now. those seem like two different options. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, but if they do, then definitely therapy route first. Yes. Definitely therapy route first. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast episode on the importance of working on your own shit Mm -hmm. before you have children. Yes. Or if you've had children, you you can still do some work. It's never too late. And it is also the best gift you will ever give your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren and and everyone else in the world. Your entire family system, to be fair. Yeah. Your entire legacy Mm -hmm. as a human being. Is improved. So if you want to invest in that, then do. Yeah. Yes, that's great. Which, if you think about it from that perspective, then what's a couple of years? Right. It's a mind, like a couple of years of coming for an hour once a week is a very minor investment. Well, I mean, I think the other way to look at it is if you don't go to therapy and you don't get any of these problems resolved, then you just still have those problems. Yeah. So however long it takes you to work on them or develop some understanding or fix them, quote unquote, in therapy, that's still better than however long you would still have them. Yes. And possibly have gotten worse. Right. And also all the areas of your life that they are impacting. Right. In really negative ways, probably. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like you can, you know, you can keep your, I don't know unmanaged diabetes but your organs are slowly dying because of it and right and then probably limiting your life in some ways and like right you generally don't feel well and over time things like your eyesight and your toes and your feet and a number of other things go right and so maybe you want to try to be proactive and take some steps to address it yeah that is an option or not not doing it is also an option maybe you're like um I don't care about those things, things. which is fine, but I agree. And I think it is a really good example of like, whether it's a very specific, like mental health diagnosis, like, you know, depression or bipolar or something like that, or, you know, it's sort of this thing that you can't quite define. Mm -hmm. The reality is that the longer it goes on, unchecked, unexamined, um, you are not, it's not just a thing that you suffer with. Right. Right. Like the way in which it causes you pain or discomfort now isn't the only implication. Like it is going to affect relationships. It is going to affect your career, your physical health, your, you know, all of those things. And over time, it does get worse. Yes. Well, I I think and I'll speak for myself a little bit of disclosure here that I have chronic anxiety problem. And for me, when I got had gotten to a place where my anxiety was more healed and more managed, it was a sort of space of looking back and being like, how did I live like that for so long? Mm-hmm. Like, how did I survive like that? Yeah. And how did I, you know, I was working and doing all, like living my life. I was doing all of the things, but like, I look back now and see how limited my life was and how small my life was because my anxiety took up so much of my Time, attention, effort. Yes. Everything. Yeah. Um, And when you've been doing it for such a long time, it feels... Normal to you. It feels normal. You don't realize it. And I think, as you said, like, you know, I I do a lot of trauma work. And I talk about that a lot with clients early on where I'm saying, this stuff is going to feel kind of uncomfortable. Like, there's a period of time where I think you start to get some relief and it's so unfamiliar And I think that's especially true with trauma Mm -hmm. experiences, like especially trauma that's from like childhood. It's all, it feels like it's always been there. And so doing something different and, you know, experiencing people or relationships differently is uncomfortable at first. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you are in a space where you look back and you're like, I don't even know how I functioned like that. that." Mm And there is a middle ground which goes to the like, well, why some of the reasons therapy takes so long or could take long, you know, it's always going to take longer than you want it to take. I don't care if you're done in six sessions. It's always going to take longer than you want it to take. True. Also, you're not done in six sessions. 
Yeah. Mm. I'm sure um, there's some. Somebody scenario. probably has a story somebody where it's true. Example where, but mostly no. But mostly no. Um, but I think there is a middle space, I think, in that process of you have enough insight and enough tools to be like, I'm not doing it that way. Mm-hmm. But the new way is also not quite perfected. Also, what is this? What is this? And so you're in this like limbo of like, I can't go back and do the old way. I don't feel like fully competent in these new ways. And this sucks. Yeah. And I feel like that is the space of therapy where often, aside from asking on the front end, I think that's the next time in therapy where most of us start to ask that question where most clients are kind of like, when am I going to be done? Yeah. Because this sucks. And I don't think I'm getting better because I still don't like it's uncomfortable and and I'm still anxious. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes this new shit works and sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't. But now I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it this other way. Because I know that way is definitely not working. Right. But you're trying to get me to do it this new way that feels yes. not super great. Yeah. And you're, I'm just trusting you. Right. And I'm going to get to the other side of this. Like, yeah. What? Yes. You could be lying. You could be lying <laughs> and I do not like it. Right. I sort of think of it as, so, well, it's an episode of disclosure. So in graduate school, for like the last half of graduate school, I would have panic attacks, really, really bad anxiety on bridges, but mostly in tunnels. Yes. Which does, which we've talked about is like a a thing. thing. This is a thing. We need to look at the, we need to go to the literature and see what this thing is. I think maybe. Of bridge and tunnel anxiety. Cause I've multiple stories of this. I think that the, I think it's, there's a metaphor Mm -hmm. in the tunnel. Being trapped. Being trapped. Clearly. But I will always. So (laughs) obvious. Like really is our brains, are our brains being that obvious? Yeah, when you're under that level of stress, your brain can't come up with complex metaphors, okay? We're just going really concrete, simple things. We're in confined space. (laughs) God, no. Can't get out. I can't get out. But I will always remember, like, the drive from this, from, like, Northern Virginia to Pittsburgh. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's a horrible drive. It is a horrible drive. I hate that drive. It is not a fun drive. It's terrible. But there is a tunnel, and there is one tunnel through which, like... As you get to about the middle point, Mm -hmm. you can't see the opening that you came in from. So, like, you can't see that opening. And you also cannot see, like, the opening that's ahead because it's so long. And so I think that's the space that often people get to in therapy also is the metaphor. metaphor. It's beautiful. Beautiful. This, This is what I do. Yes. That was gorgeous. I'm totally stealing that. And so, and that's a terrifying space. And I think it's also a space where a lot of people get really paralyzed in the process. Right. Because going back doesn't feel any better because you can't see, like, that's all dark now anyway. Yeah. But going forward requires a level of sort of trust and faith in in shit that you just don't have a lot of experience with. Exactly. And so, yes, it's, you've just sort of stuck in the middle and you have to be like, okay. We're just going to, I guess I'm just going to keep going. And like, I totally remember being like, as I got better at managing the anxiety, like I kind of knew where that spot was Mm -hmm. and literally would just be like, okay, but if I just keep going like another, like two minutes, Mm -hmm. then I'll at least be able to see the light. Right. And then I know like, okay, yes, I'm going to get out of this tunnel and I'm not going to be trapped in some sort of weird Pennsylvania mountain (laughs) tunnel or whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. That feels like a really good, good, like segue to just another part of this conversation about why it's so important to have a good connection to your therapist, right? Like, I like when we, like, like a weird mind melt. I was music. We're telekinesic. Literally what I was just thinking about. Like, segue. Was that Chris Rock? I think it's Chris Rock who has that joke. Um, yes, because, right, like, what, frankly, what the research shows is that it's the connection that heals. It's the relationship between therapist and client that is a big part of the healing process. That having someone you trust to be vulnerable with and interacting with that person positively is healing in and of itself. Yeah. Regardless of what your issue is. It doesn't even have, that doesn't even have to be your issue. Like, that is a, a core yes. part of this process. And so it's also helpful 
to have someone that when you are like in the middle of the tunnel and you can't see behind you or in front of you to the light. Yeah. That you feel like you can trust this person. This person, you you feel like this person knows what they're talking about. And when they assure you, like, I'm with you and you're going to come out on the other side, that even if you don't like 100% believe them, you're able to like believe them just yeah. enough. Just enough. Just enough to keep going. To keep going. And then all of a sudden you start to see the like these things and you're like, oh, okay. All right. All right. We're moving. We're making some progress here. We're, things are happening. Yes. Yeah. I think that's such an important piece. And I, yeah, you can't underestimate the importance of developing that relationship. And I think part of it is being able to say things like that to your therapist. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Yeah. What's is happening? It, am I getting better? Am I getting worse? Right. Where are we going? <laughs> and to trust that they're going to tell you. Yeah. That, you know, if you are or if you're not, I mean, I'm sure you've had the experience where clients have asked you that question. And I have had to say, like, no, we're stuck. Like this, we're, this process is stuck. Yeah. No, we have stopped moving. (laughs) Right. Here's why I think we are stuck. Here's what I think is going on. Um, and you know, that sort of thing that if you ask your therapist that question, it should be a real answer. Not just like, Oh, you're fine. Yeah. No, 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 there should be a real answer. And that real answer could be like, actually you're moving forward. And I see that's normally the answer. That's usually the answer is. Yeah. I said the scary answer first. Right. But the normal answer is like, actually, I think you've made progress in blah, blah, blah ways. Yeah. And notice how you would have handled the same situation six months ago or a year ago, whatever. Yeah. That's what we normally do. But sometimes it is like, no, I think we're stuck. And this is why I think we're stuck. Yeah. So. Yeah. And sometimes a little of both. Yeah. Yeah. We're stuck in these ways, progress in these ways. Right. We've, we've made progress, then we hit a wall. Then we hit a wall. Right. Yeah. Or we've made progress, you know, you're doing it differently here and you're not, but we haven't quite figured out how to start using that same growth and tool set over here. Right. Which is why you feel stuck. Right. So yeah, it's this stuff, but over here we can do it. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's, I think the other thing to consider, and I had, we got talking about this because I told, I sent you a an episode of The Read, which is like one of my, currently one of my favorite podcasts, but they were reading like a listener letter who was talking about feeling stuck, but I liked it because, um, is it Chriselle? Is that her name? Yes. Don't quote me. Okay. All right. Just if, if I'm, if I'm wrong, just know that I'm really bad with names, but super love your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But was sharing like that she had the experience of feeling like therapy was stuck and stagnant and it wasn't, nothing was happening. And then eventually being able to look back and recognize that that was actually just a reflection of how she felt about her whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's important for two reasons. One is recognizing like you bring all your stuff to therapy, right? Like not just the stuff you want to work on, but all of it, it, even if you're not bringing it up, it's always with you wherever you are, there you are (laughs) 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 or wherever you go, there you are, whatever. And also being stuck being stuck or like recognizing that you are you bring all the your awareness stuff. of being stuck i think the like awareness it can take to develop that awareness sometimes people don't realize they're stuck even though they're yeah. in therapy they know there's a problem but they don't realize like well this problem is has has more tentacles than you think it does yes that's what i was going to say also that there is an ebb and flow mm, yeah. to progress. Mm-hmm. And so, so sometimes you're in a stretch where it's like one day a week, you feel really, really great. Mm-hmm. And then the other six days of the week feels like trash. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that space, it's really hard to see that one day a week as progress. Right. Cause you're like, no, it's just trash and I'm never going to get better. Like I have this, like these moments where it's like, Oh, I get it. And better. I'm doing things better. And like life is great or my relationship's better or my, you know, whatever. And then you slip back into like old patterns and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, I haven't made any progress. Right. Or you have a reoccurrence of like a chronic. Right. Like chronic anxiety or chronic depression or something like that, where it's like, this is not, you're not better or worse, really. Like this is just, this is the cycle. This is the cycle. Of the symptoms. And look at how you are managing them now compared to the last time you went through this cycle. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think that is a really important point. Yeah. Anything and being comfortable again, back to the relationship piece, 
it's hard to see that. And so being able to talk to your therapist about that, being comfortable enough to say, like, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm not better. I feel like my anxiety isn't improving. I, you know, whatever it is. And then trusting your therapist to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens outside the therapy room too. Like it's helpful um, to have a support circle that you can talk to. You don't tell them everything you talk about in therapy by any means, but that you can be pretty honest with about the things you're working on Mm -hmm. because they'll notice it and they'll be able to also give you feedback and say like, yeah, well, you would have been a mess. Yeah. We wouldn't have two seen years ago. Yeah. Two years, years ago, you wouldn't, you would have still been in your house right. or the fact that you're even bringing this up. Right. Is totally, totally different new. than what you used to do, you know, three months ago or right. six months ago or whatever. And being able to see those as like, those are small wins. Those are small steps down, like through the tunnel. Well, and I think that's the other part that can be hard about therapy, which is really what we're talking about yeah. is that the progress is often gradual. So it's sort of like that, almost like the lobster in the pot or like if you're in a bathtub and you're slowly turning up the heat, like how, like when do you notice that you're on fire essentially? (laughs) I know it's a terrible analogy, but it's true because it happens so gradually that you don't even realize like, oh, we've been going up one degree every hour. And now I realize like I'm boiling, boiling, but that's like in this metaphor, the boiling is like, I'm feeling healed and good. It's good. It's a good heat. (laughs) I, I sort of like this. This is happening so slowly. I didn't notice before. <laughs> yeah. I I think I like your analogy better, which is weird and dark. My analogy <laughs> that I usually use is either, and I think both apply. I'm like, it's like falling in love or it's like going to sleep. Like mm, it yeah. happens slowly, 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 slowly. And then all at once, mm-hmm. there it is. And I that's usually the analogy I use. But I think the next time I'm going to go with the lobster in the pot of water. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But yeah, I do like my dark analogies. <laughs> I, I enjoy them. They're very fun. Also, I kind of want like a lobster mac and cheese for dinner tonight now. Where can I get that? Lobster, but not mac and cheese. I don't like mac and cheese. <sighs> <sighs> don't worry. For those of you who just heard Erica's awful, awful confession. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Um, you know, at some point we'll just have a whole other episode, which will be intervention around the, the things that you don't like to eat. <laughs> it's not a very long list. It's a it short a list, list that makes people angry. It is a short list of delicious foods. <laughs> it's very strange. It's so strange. Because it's not. Like, I would never describe you as a picky eater. No, I will eat almost anything. It's a very short list. It's just very specific things where I'm just like, no, will and I will not. But there are things that, like, almost everyone loves. Yeah, it's weird that you guys love that. You say that, though, but if I recall, you won't eat nuts in anything, right? And you won't eat nuts and chocolate together. I will eat peanut butter, almond butter, depending on the quality of the chocolate. <laughs> so as I said, but as I, I don't like nuts. Previously. Yeah, I don't like nuts. But it's not necessarily it's it's a texture thing, and that's a very side tangent. Lots of my things are texture things, are they? They are. Are they? I mean, I don't like Jello or pudding or potato salad because all of their squishy. Maybe that's also why I don't like mac and cheese. Probably. Maybe that's part of why I don't like it, yeah. actually. Although, all, it. if your potato like salad... Potato salad is disgusting. If your potato salad feels like jello or pudding in your mouth, please don't eat that. It's just all mushy and gross. Do you like mashed potatoes? Mashed potatoes aren't mushy like that. Okay. There's not the same, like, wetness. There's something about the, like, wet, squishy stuff. Like, I don't like boba. Okay. I don't like, like... Ugh. Oh God! Uh, Any like Jello pudding? I can tolerate pudding if it's really good. I can tolerate pudding. To be fair, I don't particularly like pudding. I like mousse, mm. but maybe I'm I just mean, bougie. So <laughs> I'll <laughs> eat it. Also, but yeah. also, mousse usually get in like a very small. It's not like you know yeah. you're getting like heapings of this other stuff, but like yeah, mousse no. is just like yeah. by the time I even have a feeling about it, it's over usually. This is true. That's true. I mean, I guess I will not co-sign your disdain for mac and cheese, however. Oh, well, you're wrong. So, there's that. I mean, I'm not. By all means.
means people should feel free to call, leave us messages. Well, then if people just try to make me, usually it's the mac and cheese that people just try to like me. And I'll try anybody's mac and cheese. I, I feel like try. you've eaten my mac and cheese. And like, there's I think you like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. I mean, technically you worked for me at the time, so maybe you were lying. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to need to make mac and cheese <laughs> now where you feel less. Well that I don't. Don't lie, really. Probably to my detriment at points. <laughs> this is true. This is true. You know, it's the one thing about being like raised like a fundamentalist Christian. You never quite shake the fear of like lying, really. Yeah. It doesn't quite ever go away. Which I feel like is mostly good. Not everybody's prepared for that level of honesty, but I no, like it. No. Also, you liked my mac and cheese. So I'm good with that. I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I believe your words were like, no, it's not bad. Yeah. I'll take it. That's which is as good as it gets for mac and cheese for me. So it's good. <laughs> I did not put the whole plate in the trash. That is that is yeah. That means it was yeah. Good. All right. This um, is good. We should probably go back to therapy. We're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about how to help make therapy more effective. Yes, which could potentially lead to it getting you getting through it quicker. Potentially, potentially or not. But certainly it makes it more effective. So we were going to start talking about that. That sounds good. That piece. Yes. And I think what I would say, and I'm sure Esther has lots of thoughts about this. I think one of the biggest things people can do to make therapy more effective is to think about the work outside of the room. We only see you at maximum one hour a week. I mean, sometimes twice a week, but that's That's, rarely that's ongoing. Yeah. Um, and there's only so much progress you can make in that hour. You have to be sort of thinking about what you're learning, what you're processing in therapy and how that applies to your outside life. If your therapist gives you coping skills to practice, practice them. Practice, practice them. them. Please. If you get homework, do, do it. it. Or at least think about doing it. Yes. At I'm, least try to do it and then be like, well, you know, I couldn't do it. We can talk about that. And we talk about that. I thought about it. Yes. And, and decided I didn't it. want to, right. which I feel like is often a thing that I get from clients. Yeah. But that might we, be me. <laughs> I mean, we all get that. And then you process that. Right. But then cool. we talk about it. Okay. Exactly. Well, why didn't you want to do it? What, like, what came up? And like, there's usefulness. Yeah. I think that might in fact be, I think the number one tip forgetting that and consistency, which we can talk about. But I think thinking about whatever you're doing in therapy in all the in-between time. Yes. When you're not with your therapist. Some of the in-between time. Yes. Really any of the in-between time. Any of the in-between times. Yeah. take it. Yeah. Like I am, I have, I've started something new. I don't think we've talked about this. Oh. That I, my clients all have the option of, between session check-ins. Oh, you did tell me this. Yes. And it's super interesting because I I will say a lot of my clients who already think about stuff, like tend to do a lot of work in between sessions, mm-hmm. ha- like immediately were like, yes, this is great. I'm doing it and right. I love it. And then the clients who were like, I don't like to have to remember my homework and I don't really want to do these things. Right. And also, you know, people who feel like, oh, I don't want to intrude on your life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Even though like if you're, Therapist invites you to have additional opportunity to have resources. You got to be careful with whatever you say now, because I'm sure how you're doing it is like a healthy, constructive way. Oh, yeah. But then you get some therapists like, call me whenever. No, 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 no. Text me whenever. Absolutely do not do that. I will respond to your messages at any time. Absolutely not. That is not a thing. That is not a thing. Your therapist should have very, very tight boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I say this as a... As a therapist who I think has, I think I have softer therapist boundaries, Mm -hmm. which does not translate into call me anytime, text me anytime, email me anytime. Translates into- Softer boundaries does not mean no boundaries. Right. No. We're going to have an episode, I think soon, about boundary concerns. Yes. (laughs) What exactly boundaries mean? Because people have all sorts of ideas. All sorts of ideas, but yes. So another- (laughs) Leads into also having good boundaries with your therapist. Like your therapist is there to be like a guide and a support and to help you sort of 
unpack and explore things. They are not meant to be your best friend. They are not meant to be your emergency on-call person. Mm -mm. If you have mental health issues that require sort of after-hours care and emergency services, your like weekly therapist person should be providing you with connections to those kinds of services. That's a very different kind of work. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so like you are right. My between session check, it is a extremely structured, like, this is what you, you can do. And then this is the response you're going to get from me, which is very much kind of well-defined. Like you're not getting like a free session in between you're going to get, or we can just call and hang right or chat. No, we don't do that. No, but, but part of the reason that I sort of implemented, I'm not going to get into all the details other than to say, yes, it's extremely structured. Um, but I offered it for this very reason. Like, the in-between time is often where a lot of the sort of movement actually happens. Right. In well, session, you go. It's where literally the rest of your life Your happens. whole, yeah, the whole rest of your, your life. Your whole life happens right. in the not hour that you're yes. seeing your therapist. It's much easier to, <laughs> to sort of like do all this exploration. And then, yeah, like it's in the rest of your life that things sort of click and you're like, oh, oh. That's what we were talking about. Uh huh. Oh, now I see it here and here and oh, yeah. Or like, yeah, I have plenty of clients. You know, we we do mindfulness meditation and we do breathing. You know, we do these sort of coping things in session. Like that's meaningless if you only do it for ten minutes with me once a week. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm sure it's helpful in some way, but it's not. It's a thing that's available. Need it to be. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that between seeing the in-between space as the place where you really build your skills and like, Mm -hmm. that's really kind of where the healing and the stuff goes. Build your skills and build your understanding, right? Like, it's great if we talk about like some pattern that you've been in in your relationships. um, And then you, if you leave the office and you never think about that pattern, like you're not applying it. You're not sort of like, okay, well, what did she mean when she say, like, I tend to people, please. How is that actually showing up in my life? Yeah. What am I actually doing? Like, Do I see this? Right. In my real world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Going with your doctor analogy. It's like, it's like having strep throat. Like you don't cure your strep throat at the appointment where they diagnose it and give you antibiotics, nor does it get cured when you go back for like a check. No. It's the it's, it's the in-between when you're like resting life. and taking the medicine <laughs> and doing the things that your doctor advised you to do. That's how you get better. Right. It's you still need those appointments. Yes, they're important. But those appointments basically are just sort of giving you the tools you need to then apply to your day-to-day every life. And therapy is similar. Yeah. I mean, and I'm constantly sort of thinking about like, how can I structure my sessions with my clients so that they are thinking about it outside of the therapy room so that it is impactful or experiential in some way, which is tough because people have a tendency to leave therapy and be like, what was she talking about? Mm -hmm. Weird. Unless they're either highly distressed or highly motivated. Yes. Which that is typically where a lot of progress is made yeah. because you are thinking about it and working right. on it outside of the session. Yeah. When people are highly distressed and or highly motivated, that's typically yeah. where a lot of work gets done. Yeah. It gets a lot slower when there's less motivation or less distress, which is really just a form of motivation. A form, yeah, for sure. <laughs> One of the best motivators of all time exactly. is distress. Very distressed. Yes. I'm doing all the I'm things. I'm doing all the things. Yes. You told me all these things and one of them helped. One of them helped. I'm going right? to try more. <laughs> yes. Which is a good point for, it's interesting. Sometimes I get new clients and they're like, oh, you're not taking any notes. Or you're not like, do oh, you yeah. record your, it was like, no. Uh, no, that's not how I, that's not what I need to do. But I have an increasing number of clients who do take notes, who will write yeah. things down when I'm like, hey, let's their- think about this or put it in their phone or mm-hmm. Um, we can have a whole which separate, great. which is great. I'm always happy when they're like, no, no, I'm putting this in my phone. I'm like, yeah. yes, 
do that. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. And I, I have, I work with people and I have some friends actually who do this with their own there in their therapy sessions who will like record parts mm. of their therapy sessions, mm. which is its own interesting experience. I've never had a client ask to record a whole therapy session. I think I've, I've had somebody like record a phrase, like some like phrase or something that we yes. came back, came up with usually yeah. to talk back to like some yeah. helpful thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I've ever had anybody ask to record like a whole session. Well, you know, lots of trauma and lots of dissociation. Recording whole sessions can be helpful. That makes sense. Yeah. Sure. So if you have a hard time remembering when um, things get emotionally charged, talk to your therapist about yeah. maybe recording some parts of sessions. like sessions because sometimes that's helpful because, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it seems like it's been working for, like I said, friend, I have friends and I have clients where it's like, oh, no, this is helpful. Or even just knowing that you have it in and of itself. Right is a helpful thing to be able to go back to more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So yes, definitely between session work, work, consider. Yes. Between sessions. Super important. Be consistent. Yes. If you have gone to therapy, if you said, Oh, I went to therapy and you went to one session or two sessions or even three sessions, you didn't go to therapy. You didn't. Yeah. You met a therapist. Right. In their office. Mm Mm-hmm. But you didn't go to therapy. No. You just introduced yourself to a therapist. Right. Sometimes. Maybe you had a consultation or an initial assessment. You have not been in therapy. No. No. No, no, no. If you see your therapist twice in one month and then you go six weeks and then the following month you see them every week and then the next month you see them only twice and then again you're gone for three weeks. That is also... That's also not really therapy. It's not... It could be maintenance. It could be maintenance. So if you have... that in a second. Yeah. That's a different thing. But that is not a... It's like going to the gym. Yeah. Don't go to therapy the way I like to go to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It is ineffective for both of these things. And I think much like going to the gym, you get lulled into thinking you're doing work. Mm. right like i'll go to pilates twice a week for like a month yeah and then i will take a month off Mm -hmm. when i go back that first time back i'm better than i was the very first time i went to plot like it's it's i can get nothing it's not nothing i can get back into and i feel like the groove quicker right but everything i did a month and a half ago you can't can't do that I'm not actually making good progress. I'm not going to meet my goals. And therapy is even more of the same because life keeps happening. Right. In between You're reflecting on like, oh, all this crap happened because all this crap happened and I I don't quite have the tools to deal with it. So in some ways it's getting worse. It's like like a leaky boat. Like I'm yeah. patching it over here, but then it's like springing a leak over here. Right. And like I'm just running around the boat trying to like right. keep it up. Yeah. Keep it upright, which maybe I can, but I'm not going far fast. No. Right. And every now and again, it feels like all the holes have been patched. And so like you lay on deck. Right. And, until another leak <laughs> springs as opposed to going, you know what? This whole left side right here actually just needs me to like put in some more permanent repair. And like, exactly. it's really seeing therapy is effective when you go consistently. Yes. And as we said, it is not always, it is not necessarily inexpensive. No. I mean, um, and you know, like. You busy schedules and all of those things, but you got to make a commitment that this is the work you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then you got to get into a regular routine and stick to it. Right. Absolutely. Like it has to become a priority if you want to see progress. The best way to be in therapy for an endless stream of time mm-hmm. is to go inconsistently. That, yes. Yeah. Yes. Because that is 100% true. Yeah. Every three to six weeks when you show up again mm-hmm. or however long it is between, is literally like starting over mm-hmm. because you there's all this stuff in your life that you want to catch the person up on. Mm-hmm. There are new ways things are showing up. Like getting to the sort of meat of the work requires you to have been there in an ongoing way so that it seems less and less important to talk about your day-to-day, you know, just sort of happenings of life. And you, you and your therapist can kind of establish a more um, effective, 
effective flow of like, these are the things we're working on. These are the things that are helping. Here's how we're going to continue to do that and kind of build on that. Right. Progress. Well, and I'm never going to make an argument for inconsistency. Consistency is always better. But if you have something that really does not allow you to be consistent, like a legitimate like work thing or something like that, A, talk to your therapist about it. Yeah. See if there is any way maybe they can do teletherapy sessions or something like that or calls, like see if there's another way to kind of work that angle. And if it's really impossible, then you need to be even more proactive about the between sessions. Yes. If you're like, I really do want to make progress, but I really can only go every other week or every, you know, once a month or something like that. Like, okay, then you need to be really doing some stuff between sessions. Yes. And you should talk to your therapist about what you could be doing between sessions. Yes. Um, Which sort of underscores back to the whole relationship piece. Like I think, I think most good therapists, like if you say like, I want to make progress, but I really can only commit to consistently being here once a month. mm -hmm. I, most therapists, even if they don't lean towards giving a lot of homework, will help you. We'll suggest whatever resources they think are appropriate. It's books or it's podcasts or it's videos or specific homework or journal, whatever. Yeah. Who knows? Whatever those things are. But they can give you things and then you have to be consistent in doing those things. Then you're accountable and it's it's more on you. It is more on you. To to be like proactive in that. And I mean, I think any therapist will do that for just about any anything. anything yeah i will say that certainly there are going to be times where we're like yeah i'll do this but this is not recommended this is not the like best way you to want do to this. tell me if you want to heal like some deep i don't know deep seated issue yeah. like you had some sort of like physical abuse in your childhood once a month therapy is not that's not going to cut it if we're at the beginning of the work no no but it's better than nothing. If it that is. really is all you can do, then it is still better than nothing. Yes. I will say that. I, yeah, I will agree with that. And I think going into it knowing the more consistent and frequent I can be, the more effective um, and potentially, no guarantees, potentially longer, um, sort of, I don't want to say faster moving, but for lack of a better phrase, faster moving your therapy is going to be. Moving. Potentially. Yeah. Yes. Highly motivated people tend to do better in therapy. Yeah. Like, and that motivation can come from a variety of, of, of like sources, but the more motivated you are to do the work, which includes doing the work between sessions, typically the faster you're moving through therapy. Agreed. Typically. Typically. Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. I mean, yeah. No, it I mean, is. Actually, it's always true because if it is the person were less motivated and doing less work, they would be moving more slowly through the work. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always going to be faster. <laughs> faster may still not get to whatever pace you want it to be at, but it's It's still faster. better than yeah. like... The more motivated you are, the more you commit yourself. And I think also a certain level of self-compassion around that mm-hmm. is also helpful to the work. If you approach therapy as... I work with a lot of, a lot of my clients are very overachieving, you know, yeah. a student, top of the class, top of their profession oh, kinds people of people. tell like, don't do anything between sessions. Right. And then they have to sit with that and they're like, what do you mean? I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like that. I need homework. I need books to read. I need. <laughs> right. And, You're like, I want you to do nothing actually. Yes. That's going to be your That's homework. the homework, which is in fact still, it's a thing. Right. So. And I have given that homework. I give that homework all the time. <laughs> just need some as I like to say gentle self-care yeah yeah just open awareness about what you're experiencing mm-hmm. what's once a day up for you yeah. once a day I just want you to stop and pause and really ask yourself how do I feel in this moment and what do I need yeah yeah I give a lot of that homework I do too I don't like it no I feel like any of my clients who are listening right now are like yeah I hate that stupid homework <laughs> I probably said it to them this week <laughs> okay with it see because erica's giving it so that's how you know it's good homework (laughs) i know what i'm doing (laughs) but i think that's also a way to recognize like we're talking about how to make therapy more effective which i think is important and a reasonable question for people to ask and to want to know also accepting that therapy is not a race 
or class yeah. or a place. Like this is not somewhere where you're going to get an A or be mm-hmm. top of class and earn gold stars. Yeah. That's not what the process is. And so if you know that as part of your own personal process, mm-hmm. paying attention to that and recognizing like, oh, from that person, for everybody, but especially for people who tend to be kind of task oriented mm-hmm. um, and like goal motivated, recognizing like the goals are not going to be about like, I went every week and I always did the homework and I journaled for, you know, 10 minutes every morning and I should be better because that's not how emotional healing works. works. No, it's not a race. <laughs> we literally said no <laughs> in the same way at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Is that sad? No, <laughs> it's not. Uh, believe me, sometimes we wish it did. We have our own shit. Like, yeah, like, listen. <laughs> If I could be earning gold stars and checking things off every week, Man. I would be doing that. That's actually not true. Yeah, that's not really how you work, really. No, I, I'm a sort yeah. of, I'm kind of a lazy overachiever. You're an overachiever in a weird way. Yeah. Like you're an overachiever in a way that's like, well, it's like that meme I sent you that like Capricorn words. <laughs> like, I'm bored. Start a business. I'm going to start a business. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's oh. on your, it's about like you, like. Your idea is like you're an overachiever about like things you've come up with. They they may or may not have relation to whatever anybody right. else. Yeah, is like doing. no one else is going to define for me <laughs> what the things I'm supposed to do are. Yeah. But once I've defined them, yes, they will yeah, all be done true. at any cost necessary. Yes, no, and I'm the costs just... are always to myself. It's yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just a straight up like regular old overachiever who yeah. likes external validation. Preferably by like academies and institutions and like right, yeah, like just straight up that person. I only care about the A if I got it by doing everything in the class the way I wanted to do it, (laughs) not the way that I was being told to do it. And then you still had to give me an A. That A I care about. The A I get because like I did all your homework and like kept notes the way you wanted me to. I don't care about that. It's meaningless. It could be a D. I I don't care about it at all. It's just whatever. It's just trash. So see, we have our own, we got our own stuff, stuff. you know, I I mean, sometimes, sometimes I will like use a tool that I teach clients every day and literally will be like, I don't want to fucking use this tool. This is dumb. This is dumb. (laughs) Why do I ask people to do this? And I'm like, oh yeah, this actually oh, is because it works. Because it works. But it's uncomfortable. I don't like I it. I don't like it. Yeah, I think we've had this conversation. That was literally that's like ninety percent of what took me so long to finish the How's Your Heart book because I was like, oh, I need to do these things. And then I would do, I'm like, I don't want to do this. This, this is, is terrible. <laughs> Why are there so many feelings? Yeah. I don't want to deal with it at all. But yes, yeah. back to the sort of overachieving. Like I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put it out there and tell other people unless I did it. So yes. I have to do it. And so, I don't know if all therapists follow that because I also have no, the same. I, I literally so. was like practicing a therapy technique that I wanted to use with clients. Mm-hmm. And I like the feeling started to come up and I was like, what? I, no. And I'm totally doing this with my clients because this was yes. highly effective. This was terrible. <laughs> this was terrible. My, I use it on yeah. Monday. Yes. <laughs> Let me look at my caseload. How many of you will benefit from this awful experience I just had? Yes. This is exactly what you need. Yes. And, oh my God, that was painful. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's, I think, hopefully that is also something that's helpful for people to, to recognize in terms of making therapy effective is also knowing your therapist is also a person with their own feelings and their own bullshit. And mm -hmm. hopefully if they're good, they are also doing work on those things, yeah. you know, like they've not that they necessarily need to be in therapy at this exact moment, but like right. that they've worked on that. So that also knowing it's okay to come into sessions and be like, I didn't do that. I don't want to do it. I feel stuck. This is hard. Like that level of vulnerability. Like I think that as therapists, I don't, we don't take that personally. Like yeah. I'm failing you or this is broken and I need to sell you on therapy. Mm-hmm. It's just more information. And like we, we also have the ability to empathize with the process being hard or Absolutely. feeling slow or whatever. And so, you know, sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes you need to just be like, it's super hard. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a session. Right. I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah. And What's I, heartbreaking is when a client tells you, and I've had that experience where a client has said like, 
I didn't tell you because I didn't want to disappoint you. And it's like, your therapy is not about me. Ever. Ever. It is not about me at all. And so there's this piece of just like, when a client says that, I go back and I'm like, did I do, like, did I do something or say something that made them feel like they couldn't tell me? And, you know, just because it is always about the client. We have set ourselves up to be available to you in that room. Yeah. And to be what you need us to be. Yeah. Within like ethical. Appropriate boundaries. (laughs) Yeah. Appropriate boundaries so that your stuff is never supposed to be too much stuff for me. Yeah. It's never too much. And no matter what we've been working on or how like much progress we've talked about making, your setbacks, your lack of follow through, your hard days, your whatever are not a disappointment. It's just, okay, that's where you are in the process. And our job is to show up and meet you in that space and help you figure out what you want to do next, need to do next, how to process the feelings around it. And I think sometimes that happens, especially in that middle space that we were talking about, like you've made progress. And so you're having these like good moments or days or like certain things are going better. And then when it's not that feeling of, I don't want to share that with my therapist because Mm -hmm. I, last week I told her I was doing good. Now I'm not. Or, you know, last week I said, like, I totally get it. And I, you know, you know, I do, well, we both do a lot of relationship work. I think I, I feel like I see more singles than you are. I think so. I think I'm seeing more singles now than you it, see, I feel like we've kind of, well, I think we have a little bit of switched. Like yeah. Seesaw between who's seeing more couples and yeah. who's seeing more individuals. And I have a lot of singles where it's like, oh, we've done all this work around like, let's say ending kind of a, a less healthy on again, off again situation. Sure. And then you haven't talked to them in six weeks. And then all of a sudden you call them or you go see them or you sleep right. with I don't have judgment about that. No. I, like there's, I, that's not my job is no. to be like, that's a bad idea. Or, you know, I can't believe you did. Like, I'm not disappointed. No. I, w- I just want the opportunity to hold space for you to talk about like how you feel mm-hmm. and what do you want to do next? Right. Like, why did you make that call? Or why did you like the, the job is to show up and help you process things. It's not for me to be like, Oh, now oh, we've taken 10 steps enough. back. Cause lots of times it's not 10 steps back. No. It, it really, it almost never is. Yeah. Yeah. As long as there's some awareness about what's happening, then it almost is never just this backwards process. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the dog is doing something to Esther. I just, yeah. Re- like, this is a meaningless story because you guys can't see us, but my dog is laying on one foot. I have the other foot in this awkward position and... As is his way. He won't get up. And he's ginormous. Oh, yeah. He's beautiful. But also like 130-ish pounds. Only 130? He's lo- He's in his old age. He's, he's lost, lost weight. weight. Yeah. Because he was up to like 150, I think. Yeah. I mean, like in his youthful days, he was between like 155, one, yeah. almost 160. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah. It's still a lot though. 130 <laughs> is still quite... It's a it's, lot laying on your foot. It's a lot laying on my foot and there's just no fighting with him. He's like, I enjoy this space. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and continue to nap here. Good luck with, you know, the pins and needles in your leg because I won't get off of it. <laughs> so the last, I don't, well, my last thing about helping making therapy more effective. You it may have your own be last. the last thing because I think, I don't know how long we've been. This is a long episode. This is a long episode. So kudos to all of you who have hung in there with us. There. Yeah. You are highly ma- motivated or possibly highly distressed. Either way, we hope that these tips are helping you with therapy <laughs> right. and all of your other life changes. Um, so the last thing I will say, because it just feels appropriate for where we started, is the more that you can trust the pacing of your therapy, the more effective it's going to be. And I say this as somebody who does a lot of work, as we've said, with trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, with clients who have trauma backgrounds. And oftentimes that's not the primary thing we're working on. We're working on something else. Yeah. But people rarely come in just for their, you, you know what? We are seeing more of that now. Yes. There's like, I think there's more language and more discussion about it that people are able to identify. And often it, it shows up somewhere else. And then we kind of, backtrack into by the way by the way trauma trauma but 
it's one of the things I talk about in usually the first, sometimes second session is we are going to move slower than you want to move. Mm-hmm. Because I just know enough about this work that your desire to move quickly also in the beginning can create, I think, a lot of an undue distress mm-hmm. and doesn't allow us to have coping. And so I what I have found, at least in my own work with clients, is the sooner we kind of agree that we're not going to worry about the pace. Mm-hmm. And some of that is about us having enough relationship that you trust that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But the sooner clients sort of let go of, and I can say that's true for even my own therapy, the sooner I'm like, allow myself to be detached from how soon will I be done? Mm -hmm. The less energy you put into worrying about like kind of marking progress Mm -hmm. and just being in the work. Right. And the more present you are in the work, the better the work work is. Yeah. The better work goes. Yeah. That's absolutely true. I think that's very true. Yeah. So that's it. Do you have other tips? I think we've talked about it throughout this, but yeah, be honest with your therapist. Tell them what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. Tell them what's like, as much as you know and understand about yourself, give them all of that. Yeah. And yeah, the more information we have, typically the more helpful we are. Always the more helpful. Always the more helpful we are. We are. <laughs> Always. It's nothing like, and I've had, I'm sure you've had this experience where you've been doing work with a client and something feels off. Mm-hmm. something doesn't feel right. And you don't quite know what, frankly, or maybe you have some ideas. And Esther's yeah. been doing this longer than me, so she probably has more <laughs> Sometimes I have ideas. suspicions. <laughs> <laughs> I just have like a, 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 a suspicion that I'm just yeah. like, something is, is off, something is missing here, and I don't quite know what it is. And then you find out, you know, six months or a year or whatever, some key thing key thing that the client knew, not something that they didn't know. That's, that's, that's different. different. Right. But did not share with you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, if you'd only told me that from the beginning. We would have been doing this differently. We would have been doing this differently. Yeah. It would have made such a difference in this work. So don't hide shit from your therapist. Don't hide shit from you your therapist. You are only hurting yourself. And so the things that you think to yourself, oh, what if I should talk about this in therapy? No, it doesn't seem important. Please just at your next session, just bring it up. Yep. Just share it. Mm -hmm. If you're just getting started, just talk about things. Talk about your childhood. Tell them about your parents, your siblings, random things. Because I think oftentimes one of the things, there are lots of reasons that the lack of disclosure happens, but I often find is it's usually things that my client doesn't think is that important. Yeah, that's true. Well, who cares what happened to me in third grade? I do. It? You're still thinking about it. Right. It matters. Yeah. So one of the one of the questions that reminds me when I'm working with a couple, I'll get I'll meet with them individually and get background on their relationship history and family yeah. history. And one of the things I say about relationships is tell me about all of the relationships that were important to you that impacted you in some way, regardless of how long the relationship was. Yeah. So if you were in a relationship with somebody for two weeks, but it's been 10 years and you still think about this person, I want to hear about it. Yes. Right? For sure. That's that's the sort of thing I feel like they have an expectation, like this thing shouldn't be that meaningful. Yeah. But if it's still showing up in your psyche or behaviors, then guess what? It's meaningful. It's meaningful. And it's meaningful in some way that I think is in part our job to help you figure out. Right. So like, just trust us to do our work. You just bring all the pieces. Yes. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, when people are like, oh, I'm rambling. I'm like, just keep going. Yeah. Like the way I see my job is I'm like, there's a thread that ties all of this together. Mm-hmm. The more information you give me, the easier it is for me to start to figure out. Like what there may be a couple of threads, but I'll find them. Mm-hmm. You trust me to find them. You just bring in all the information. Yeah. And I think if you can imagine your therapist in that way, then hopefully there's a little less reluctance or embarrassment. Like, this seems irrelevant, but I was thinking about it the other night. Okay. Mm-hmm. It probably isn't irrelevant. We might not know today or this week yeah. why it matters, but we will figure it out. I mean, if you're lying in your bed at night thinking about anything that's more than like your to-do list. It's important. It's important. Tell us. Tell us, please. We want to know. So badly. We do. So badly.
can't emphasize that enough. Thanks. Cannot emphasize it enough. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. I think that's it. I kind of enjoy that this was super long. So long. So long. I'm a little afraid to look at how long it is. I just much like therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I also felt like it got like more involved and more in depth and and more like meaty as it went along. Yeah. So again, we're just, you know, reflecting the process. That's the most therapist thing I think you've ever said on the podcast. (laughs) And on that note, Don't forget to subscribe and review and all of the good things. And we will see you on the next episode. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. So what'd you think of today's episode? If you're listening in the anchor.fm app, hit the button up at the top and leave us a message. You can also send us messages on Instagram or Twitter at EstherBMFT and at Ian Flats. You can send us your therapist problems, suggestions for read, listen, watch, or ideas for upcoming episodes. And with that being said, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, anchor.fm. Catch you in the next episode.